Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Okay, quick recap. And by quick, I do mean quick. So here's what we talked about last week. Uh, we talked about the new you, right? If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. We talked about what that meant. We said together that when we're born again, we're given a new power. Uh, the Spirit of God comes to dwell within us. Uh, we're given a new position. Paul talks about being seated in the heavenlies, and that has to do with being fully in the presence of God. Uh, we talked about having a new potential, things that God invites us to do, and a new purpose that he releases us in. And if if you weren't able to be with us on Sunday of last week, I want to encourage you to take just a few minutes to sit down and watch that because that kind of teaching is really pivotal for what we're talking about this morning and where the Lord is bringing us. So, so you and I are people who have been called to live daily in the presence of Jesus and have been equipped to do good works that scripture says he prepared in advance for us to do. We are the way that um, people encounter Jesus in the world around us. And I left you with a challenge last week. We, we talked about being a masterpiece and, and this tendency we have sometimes to kind of not live facing outward. We're maybe embarrassed about how God is, has made us or we don't think that we are that masterpiece. And I said, listen, don't live facing the wall, live outward. And if you're wondering what God would ask of you next, it's really simple. And it was do the next right thing. Now, as we continue to walk through the book of Ephesians, Paul makes this pivot in Ephesians 4, and he's been talking all this time about what God has done, and now he starts to talk about what God expects of us. So we've been talking about this divine partnership between God and us, and for the last four or five weeks, we've celebrated all the things that God has done, all the things that God has provided all the things that God has prepared. And now Paul goes, and guess what, guys? There's something that God is asking of you as well so you can live into what he has fully provided. So if you're, if you're kind of following along, you're like, okay, God's done a lot. This is really cool. Uh, what am I supposed to do with it practically? That's where we find ourselves this morning. And to quote the great Marvel theologian, Peter Parker's Uncle Ben, with great power comes great what? Responsibility. All right, you got, you got some moviegoers here or comic book fans. So Paul is going to start to say, listen, God has done all of this, and now I want to talk to you about how you equip yourself to live it out. Have you ever felt like there was a bit of a disconnect between what you read in the Bible that is available to you or what God invites us to and your ability to actually live it out? Have you ever felt like, I I want to, but I'm kind of struggling a little bit? Be at peace. This is the case for every Christ follower. But Paul has some things to say about how we can be more aligned with the will and with the Spirit of God. So what he's saying is, here's here's Ephesians 4.1. This is what he writes. Now, Remember, he's writing from jail, which is why it says, as a prisoner of the Lord. But he says, as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. So God has done these amazing things. You've been created with purpose, on purpose, for purpose. There are good works that he's prepared for you to do. He's done them in advance. And now, Paul says, there is a moment of personal accountability 
or personal responsibility in this journey where you and I get to decide whether or not we are actually going to partner with God in all that he has provided. So the first three chapters of Ephesians are like, um, you are, you are, you are, and he gets to chapter four and he goes, now go, you do. So that's where we find ourselves. Now that we've been born again, we have this new identity in Christ. We get to choose to embrace it and to live it out. So God has provided something. I get to choose whether or not or not I take advantage of what it is that God has provided. And Paul speaks of it in terms of embracing a new identity, right? If anyone is in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. So if the new is here, but sometimes I still feel the pull of the old, how do I embrace, how do I get my arms around this new identity that God has provided? Paul says there's three steps, and I'll lay them out for you, and then we're going to talk about each of them. He says the first step is putting off your old identity. The first step is making a decision to walk away from our old way of thinking, our old patterns, the old the old us. When, when I was in college, I had a, a particular reputation among my classmates, and I won't bore you with the details. But when I was born again, when I surrendered my life to Christ, I had to make a decision. That is how I used to be known, and there were some things that I did that I am now embarrassed by that I was actually celebrated for, that I was known for. And so it can be somewhat scary to walk away from the thing that I was known for into the unknown in following Christ. But if I was ever going to become who Christ had called me to be, there had to be a line of demarcation where I said, I am no longer going to be what I once was, and I am going to now partner with Jesus in embracing and building a new identity which means I had to begin to think differently because thinking differently precedes behaving differently. And the next thing Paul says that we have to do is to be renewed in our attitudes and in our thoughts. He says this in Ephesians. He says this in Romans 12. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If I am going to begin to behave differently then I have to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to reshape not only my past behaviors, but my present thinking. Because if I want to be different, I have to think different. And I'm not talking about a, like a Tony Robbins pep talk, go to the seminar and walk out a brand new you. I'm talking about being in partnership with the Holy Spirit where he begins to reform and reshape these old patterns of thinking and responding. We're going to talk about that. And then the third thing that he says that we have to do is to put on your new self. As I reject the old me, as I begin to walk away from old patterns, old behaviors, old reputations, then I have to step into who it is God has made me to be now. And that can be, if we're honest, as challenging as stepping away from the old, because the old was familiar, the old was known. And now I'm following Jesus in steps of faith, trusting that he really has made me new, and that he has created me for purpose, with purpose, and on purpose. But now I have to step into those things, or I won't be 
the me that he has created me to be. Are you tracking with me so far? I know it's a, so we're gonna we're gonna break these down a little bit, and we're gonna we're gonna look at them through the lens of Ephesians four. Now, what I love about all of this is that it speaks of partnership, a partnership between me and a partnership between God. There are things that God does, and there are things that God asks me to do. And in the things that God asks me to do, he comes alongside to empower me to do them. But he never forces my hand. God has never forced me to be obedient. He has laid an invitation before me and said, John, if you step in this way, I will empower you to live it out. But he has never put me under his thumb and said, you will be this way. But he has said, if you want to walk into the fullness of life that I have for you, I will walk that way with you. So we're going to look at the second half of Ephesians chapter 4. Remembering that this is a letter written to people just like you and just like me, folks who are headed out of the sanctuary and into the streets. All right, Ephesians 4, 17. I tell you this, he says, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Now, the word Gentiles in in much of the Old Testament and even in the Gospels speaks of people who are non-Jews. But when Paul uses the word Gentile right now, he's not not speaking along ethnic lines. Uh, It is not a non-Jew, but it's a non-believer. So Paul is saying, I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, you should no longer live as unbelievers. Why? Because they're born again. Because they have made new. Don't live as those who are outside of the new covenant that haven't been made new. He's saying there has to be a marked difference in how you live. So if you're going to be made new, now live as people who have been made new. If if the chains of sin have been broken off of you, now live as people who have been set free. In other words, God expects us to be true to the new. It's not enough to celebrate what God has done, to come to, like, we can't be the church on Monday if what we do is come together on Sunday, celebrate that we've been forgiven, and then go out and do everything that we've always done throughout the rest of the week. That's not the way to be a living representation of Jesus to the community. So he is saying, I want you to live in a way, your your outward life should reflect this inward transformation that's taken place. And then he goes on to explain why. Ephesians 4, verses 18 through 24, again, he's speaking of non-believers. He says, listen, they are darkened in their understanding and they're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. He is saying this way of living does not reveal Christ, which is what you and I are called to do. And there's a bit of an unstated warning. Why would Paul tell the church, because he's writing to the church, don't live like non-believers? Why would he feel the need to write that? Probably because some people in the church were living as non-believers. There was a disconnect between their professed faith and what they are living out. And so Paul wants to call their attention to that. 
Why do we need to bring that point up? Do I think you're being bad? No. But I want us to realize that we are still as susceptible of yielding to the worldly influences now than we were before we were born again. Why? Because God invites us to make a choice. I I was talking to a friend about three days ago, no, sorry, three weeks ago, coming back from a trip. I'm on the phone. He's He's a missionary in central Mexico. And we're just talking about life and leaders and and he's, he's like, John, here's what I know. The Holy Spirit has got to keep a, just a close rein on me. He goes, I'm two seconds from the jungle. Like, and, and, I, and I laughed and I said, John, you must have backslidden since the last time we talked because when you stood up in front of my church like seven years ago, you told us we, you were five seconds from the jungle. Like you're getting closer and closer and closer. What's going on? And he's basically saying, I am just more and more aware the older I get of my own fallibility. My, my own need, my dependence on the Holy Spirit. So we shouldn't be frightened by the idea that we have the same ability to sin as people who are far from God. We should simply be sobered by it and grateful that we have received the presence of the Holy Spirit to keep us from it. From it. Are you, you with me so far? Okay. So that kind of thinking doesn't reveal Christ, which is what we're called to do. So what does? He goes on, verse 21. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him, he's speaking of God, according to the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, that's the old you, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So he's saying their hearts are hard, their spirits are desensitized, but you have the ability to make a decision because what Christ has done in you to put off your old self, to renew the attitude of your mind, and to put on a new self. Because though you have been made new in Christ, we talked about that for the last four weeks, there is still a role for you to play. And the active way that we participate with Jesus is putting off the old and putting on the new. That's what Paul says that we're supposed to do. Put off the old, put on the new. And you might be thinking, okay, how do I do that if he says that I've already been made new? Because we've been talking about that for weeks now. And what Paul is talking about is letting our external actions reflect this internal reality, this internal change that's taking place. And the the actions that Paul outlines here are not commands in the sense that if we don't do them right, God is somehow going to punish us. But what they are is a list of behaviors that are now possible because of what God has done. Before you were born again, you couldn't put off your old self. Do you know why? It was the only self you had. But now God says, I have done a new work. And so you can posture yourself Position yourself before me in the world in a way that is rejecting the old and is embracing the new. I get to choose what I wear. How many of you had someone lay out your clothes for you this morning? No, every, everybody here dressed themselves. For the, Emiliano's off the, you know, he's, he's, he's okay. Mom probably helped him. 
we reach a point in life where people stop laying out our clothes and they stop dressing us. And what Paul is saying is in the simplest terms is as you walk out your relationship with Jesus and those around you, you get to choose what kind of clothes that you put on. People who are far from Christ don't. What they've got is what they've got. But what you've got is a decision that you get to make on the daily basis. Paul would say that the negative behaviors that he's just mentioned, the the lying, the stealing, the hardness of heart, those things are incompatible with the new you. When you put them on, it's almost like you're wearing someone else's clothes. And that's just weird. That's just, unless, never mind, I'm going to get distracted. That's, that's just weird. We'll, we'll let that go. So if you think of these behaviors, both the positive things that he lays out and the negative things that he lays out in terms of what's hanging in our closet, then you realize Paul's saying you have a choice about how you, you dress yourself. How many of you would say, I have some things in my closet that probably don't fit and I'm never going to wear them again? Why are they still there? Because they are comfortable and because you love them. And there may be a day that you need them. And to to say goodbye to them, fellas, this is probably more for us, would be to admit that we were saying goodbye to a certain phase of our lives. Um, Wendy and I were married for for 12 years and, and I came home one day and something remarkable had happened my closet had undergone a transformation. Now, I had this T-shirt that I'd had for probably 15 to 16 years at that point. It said, Occidental College Overall Intramural Champions. And in my freshman year of college, we had decimated every other dormitory. I had earned that shirt. And it was like a medium. Twelve years into marriage, I'm most definitely living as an XL. But I loved that shirt. It made a statement about something I had achieved. And I came home from work one day, and and we lived in a house that had this large walk-in closet. And and I walked in, and the first thought was, oh, it looks really neat in here. And my second thought was, 30% of my clothes are not in this closet. And so I went to Wendy, and I went, were we robbed? I understand why they would take my most precious possessions. And Wendy thought, <laughs> Wendy says, well, I didn't think you needed them anymore. Oh. Oh. As you can see, we're still married. But that was, at that point, the largest, we'll just call it disagreement, we had ever been in since we had met. And it wasn't like I could go down to the garage and just rescue them from black trash bags. She had been quite thorough and had gone to Goodwill. They were gone, daddy, gone. Fellas, if if you're married, you might know what I'm talking about. There comes a point in your marriage where your wife starts throwing out your old stuff. And you love it but it doesn't fit her image of the new you. Like, these aren't cute clothes I'll hear sometimes. Or, um, that's, just, that's just not, you're never going to wear that again. That's not who you are. 
And I, and I asked Wendy for permission to tell the story. She said, yeah, of course. I said, and I'm going to tell him you were right and, and that, that you just didn't think that was a new me anymore. And she goes, well, that's very nice of you. I was just a control freak, and I wanted more space in the closet. was comfortable for me, was familiar to me, and it was hard to let go. Putting off the old new, the old you and embracing the new you can feel very, very similar. And when we, when we put off the old and put on the new, it's not something we do once and for all. I'm embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed. It's just a fact of life. That's not the last time Wendy had to clean out my side of the closet. We make a decision day by day whether we are going to embrace the old or we can embrace the new. We choose to put on the new day by day and circumstance by circumstance, just like getting dressed in the morning. You will choose. You will have to decide what is appropriate for each situation. Like, I don't know how many of you would get up in the morning and put on your bathing suit to go to work. Be the last time you went to work unless you're a lifeguard. Sometimes we put on something that is just not appropriate for the situation when we are engaging people in our community or in our family. I've got two jackets here. Guess which one's my favorite? Yeah. This, this is my camping jacket. This is probably, I don't know, 20 years old, 22 years old. She's not touching this one. But if I put it on, it's, oh, it feels so good. Just like a warm hug. Uh, I sit too close to the fire in this jacket. It's got holes all over it. It, I mean, it's lost its, oh, it, yeah, it doesn't smell great. Um, this jacket lives in the garage a lot, especially if I've been sitting out by the fire. I, I take half a step in the house, and Winnie's like, nope, put that outside. But it's comfortable to me. I love the way it feels, and it's hard to get away from. This jacket, I'm going to blow your mind. Oh, yeah, I'm going to look this good. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, we'll be taking pictures at the Connect after the second service if you'd like. This jacket takes some getting used to. It's, uh, it's, it's not quite as flexible. It's a little more rigid, a bit more appropriate to wear to a wedding or a funeral than that jacket. But this as my parents had to tell me at one point in time, is kind of how grown-ups dress. So every once in a while, I have to dress like grown-ups dress. These are two very different jackets. If one represents the new me and one represents the old me, I have to choose many times each day whether the old me is going to step forward or the new me is going to step forward. And to be honest, sometimes I feel like a real idiot because I've got, a, you know, an arm in each jacket. Like, I can't figure out who I am. What Paul is saying in the simplest terms is in every situation that you find yourself, you have a choice. Who has a choice? You do. You have a choice. You all said you, like, it's just me. That was awesome. It was you, pastor. It's your choice. You have a choice how you are going to respond. You have a choice whether the old you or the new you is going to step forward. No one can make that choice for you. 
you and you alone, me, me alone, responsible for whether the old me or the new me steps forward. Friday night, I'm sitting on I-5. Help me, Jesus. I've just gone to the Angels game to watch them beat the Mariners, so I'm already not in the best of moods. We left before the game was fully over, and so I got to listen on the radio while they finished blowing that game. And how many of you use, like, maps or ways to chart your way? Okay, so I get on ways. It tells me two hours, 45 minutes, you'll be home. Yes. Get on I-5. First mistake. Shortly before Glendale, at 10 o'clock at night, the Department of Transportation has decided to take them down from five lanes, not to four, not to three, oh no, not two, one lane. One lane. And so, now, one of the things that you might need to know about me is the place that my old me manifests the most is usually in the car, often on the freeway. So I don't know at this point that we're going down to one lane. I just know that everybody and their mother is trying to get in mine. And I'm doing okay because Waze is lying to me. Five minutes in traffic. Oh, not to, 10 minutes in traffic. I've been sitting in traffic for 25 minutes, and it tells me it's an 11-minute wait. So Waze is speaking the lies of Satan at that point, and I understand it. There is a semi in front of me. We're going like half a mile an hour. It's a double trailer semi. And he turns on his blinker. No way! That's like six car lengths. And at this point, that's like 10 minutes. But I'm watching him and I'm like, all right. I'm going to be the new me. I hit the brakes. Waited and waited and waited, and he moves over. I'm feeling really good about myself. Patting me on the back. Go, Jesus. We did it. Another semi comes up next to me. Another double trailer. Another turn signal. You ever wonder if God is just testing you, testing you? I'm like, are you for real? And, and I'm like, well, I'm never getting home anyway. So I'm like, okay, so I hit the brakes again. And everybody behind you is getting mad, right? Because they see traffic moving forward and you're not moving forward. And, and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And he finally gets up far enough and he starts to move over. I'm like, yes, I did it. And as he moves over, this other car tries to cut in on his bumper. And I'm like, not today, Satan. Nope. <laughs> nope. Not going to happen. I made a decision, 95% the right decision, that I was going to wear this jacket. Tuesday afternoon, I'm at VMS with the rest of our team, and we are uh, helping them with their graduation, and I get a phone call. And it's someone I, I know and I love very dear, dearly, and they are agitated on the phone, and they say to me, somebody cut me off. I didn't think they saw me, so I honked my horn. They 
used a turn lane to get behind me. They have been riding my bumper. They are screaming at me, and I don't know what to do. Old jacket. In a heartbeat. So I said, all right, here's what you do. Get off the freeway. Go into this. Like the smart guy would have been, there's a, there's a sheriff station. I didn't think that. I thought, get, get where people are. Get into this parking lot and tell me what happens. And they said, he's still following me. I said, all right, get to, here's where I am. Drive to me. And I need to tell you that though I have been following Jesus for a long time, as soon as I said, follow me, my next thought was, can I get home and get a nine iron before this guy gets to where I am? 20 years ago, I'm inviting people to fight in the street over traffic issues. I've been a pastor for 25 I am low-key praying this guy shows up because he is messed with the wrong family member, and I am going to bring the wrath of God on his head. Understandable response, right? And the Bible teaches us, does it not, to meet anger with anger and violence with violence? Why am I telling you that story? Long story short, they got caught at a red light. Didn't, didn't, I didn't have to get arrested. I didn't have to come here and repent to you. But here's why I'm telling you that story. In the context of being the church on Monday and in the context of choosing which person, which jacket we're going to wear, this flares up fast. And it doesn't stop flaring up because you've been following Jesus for a long time. And should you respond in a way that is the old you, simply acknowledge it, repent before the Lord, ask for his help, and put on the other jacket. It's my responsibility to own the new me. And guys, this is going to be a process that we walk through until we stand before Jesus for all of eternity. So if there are moments, I don't say you this, this to give you permission. Pastor said I could put on the old me, go beat people up, be a jerk, and then just say, sorry, Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. But when you find yourself being drawn toward an old behavior you can either make a decision in that moment to lean back into Jesus and who he's made you to be, or you can let shame put you on the bench and tell you that you're a horrible person and a loser. I don't know you well enough. I don't think you are. Maybe you are, but Jesus can work with that too. You're not. You're a new creation. We're only getting through about a third of the message, and I knew we only would get this far because I felt like Jesus wanted us to land right here. No one is going to choose to do this for you, and you will always have to fight that fight. But God is always present with you when you are sitting here going, which one am I going to put on? 
And I celebrate the many times I've put this on. But I understand that I am still fallible, that there are things that live in me that God is still working out. I would have said to you two weeks ago, God has dealt with my anger, and he has dealt with my, my anger around cars and driving. And then Tuesday, I was like, that sucker stood up fast. I'm legitimately on the edge of the parking lot looking down the street. Now, in, in, in full honesty and transparency, I was more concerned with defending someone than I was, with, I was with assaulting someone. But that was not a Jesus response. I actually looked at Wendy and she's like, how are you doing? I said, I'm having a hard time getting the adrenaline to go down. Because I spiked and I spiked fast. I am, sorry if this surprises you, a work in progress. And I am trying, I am trying to have the character of Christ formed in me, as you are. And so my encouragement today, I'm just going to pray for you here in a second. We're going to pick this message up with some more practical details next Sunday. My prayer for you is that you would posture yourself before the Lord as someone who chooses to embrace the new. But that you would not be so self-deluded as to think you won't be pulled back in this direction because it's comfortable, because it's familiar, because you've worn this a lot more than you've worn that. But this is who Jesus says you are. This is how Jesus sees you. I want to ask you to bow your heads for a moment, close your eyes. I just I have this picture in my spirit of of somebody walking into a closet and there's there's just two jackets hanging and you're you're standing between them and one is new and one is old and i hear the holy spirit inviting us to make a decision to embrace the new and some of us are saying even as we stand there i don't think that new one will fit i know the old one does but i don't think the new one's going to fit and the holy spirit is a masterful tailor he's not going to change the coat but he's going to change you so that you can fit in it, so that you can, you can look the way you were meant to look. If you're with us this morning and, and you would say, Pastor, that's me. I'm just, I'm just struggling. I always feel like I'm torn between these two. And, and to be honest, I, I feel myself pulled back toward the old instead of wanting to do the work to embrace the new. And, and I, I want to be a part of this prayer that you're about to pray because I'm going to pray that God releases us from that gives us the courage, the power, the ability to step into the newness and away from the old. But if you would just say, yeah, it's been a struggle right now, and I, I love Jesus, and I'm saved, but yep, I'm fighting that fight. Would you just raise your hand high enough for me to see? Yeah. There's a lot of us this morning, guys. You're not, you're not in this by yourself. You can, you can put your hands down. Yeah, I wanna, I'm going to pray for you. I want to pray for one other group of people. If you're here this morning, maybe you've been coming every week for I don't know how long. And you've heard us talk about newness and new creation and making all things new. And that's just not your reality because you have never surrendered your life to follow Christ. And this morning you would say, Pastor, I'm ready. I'm ready to walk out of the old. I'm ready to walk into the new. To follow Jesus, to live my life according to his teachings, to receive the forgiveness that he offers and to let him turn me into a new creation. If that's you and that's a prayer you haven't prayed, 
I want to pray that over you. Would you lift your hands high enough for me to see so I can agree with you as well? I see you guys in the back. Thank you. I see you here on my right. I see you. Thank you. I see you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Let's pray together. This is a brand new day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to say it. I want you to pray it after me. You're not praying to me. You're praying to Jesus. I'm just going to give you the words to help you express what's in your heart. Say this with me. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Every voice, church, we're starting over. Every voice. No one should ever feel like they're praying this prayer alone. Pray with me. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose to new life. That you have the power to forgive me and to make me new. I surrender my life to follow you. To live not according to my wisdom, but the leading of your Holy Spirit. Make me new, forgive me, and lead me in the way I am to go. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let me pray over you. God, many of us identified this morning that tension between the old and the new. God, and we know what you have done for us, but we also understand that you are inviting us to partner with you in being made new. That as we make ourselves available, that as we choose to posture ourselves in obedience to you, that it's in that moment that the Holy Spirit comes to empower us in ways that we cannot be empowered on our own. Lord, for every hand that was lifted, for every heart that represents, we say this morning, God, we make ourselves freshly available to the leading of your Holy Spirit. And we ask, God, that you would help us as we walk out of old ways of thinking, old patterns, to trust the leading of your Holy Spirit as we endeavor to identify with the new. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.